Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. MLB season starts on Friday. What are you excited it's about? Here. What are you most excited about? I I think seeing the uh, plus size bases and the rule changes in action. I'm just interested in how it, how it actually goes in the first couple of days. Yeah, weekend. I totally agree. I mean, there's something about watching spring training and just being like, everybody knows these don't count. And, you know, people mm-hmm. are just... Some, te- some teams take it more seriously than others. Like, some teams are trotting out real lineups and others are like obviously messing with you <laughs> obviously messing with me <laughs> and some pitchers are just like i'm only throwing my slider yeah 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 exactly <laughs> today i'm only throwing my slider because i'm practicing on it or today just forcing fastballs because i'm just trying to get back my arm back in yeah in shape yep so i think rysel should have yeah so it's just time to see some some real real games stuff that really counts what's the um what's your most interesting game from a fantasy perspective um do you have have one well i the the single most interesting game i mean i actually have a bizarre number of not a bizarre number but a, a non-zero number of opening day starters but yeah think, but hey those, for a change those aren't <laughs> I, are, are those the most interesting i'm i'm not sure i think I'm a double okay. So if I was to pick one thing that I'm not sure how it's going to go, I have double dipped on Texas batters. I have Nate Lowe, who we're going to talk about next week, and Adolis Garcia, and uh, mm-hmm. I just kind of want to see how they're going to do. Yeah, I think those two. I think those two guys are actually bizarrely important for my home league fantasy team. That's a that's a good call because yeah, Texas. I te- I'm really interested in what happens in Texas. What about you? Is um. Well, I'm I'm interested if uh, Corbin Burns throws a middle finger up. I feel like I'll know within the first like couple of at bats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> within the the first couple of innings, whether Corbin Burns is throwing in a, like a middle finger and is going to like win a Cy Young, or if he's <laughs> going to throw a middle finger and like gain twenty pounds and lose three miles per hour on his fastball. It's going to be fun to get back into like the deluge of data. You know where you have to oh, yeah. just yeah, have to keep yeah. track of things, all of the things that are happening somehow. Too much stuff. Too much stuff. All right, we concluded the fall of Numenor. Anything? Any last thoughts about the second age here? Um, I the one thought that I have. Well, I guess there's two, but I guess the biggest thought that I have is that the gap between Elendil leaving Numenor and them and the siege of door um this is a bigger time frame than i had yeah thought. yep biggest unanswered question for me is honestly ring of bear here related we talked about this okay yeah. i'm pretty annoyed sure. that like i'm pretty annoyed at a bunch of the the yada yadas that happened in the second age that i was hoping would be resolved uh yeah nazgul huge one right ring raids would love to know Who more are about that would love to know a little bit more about the dwarven rings because it's because then there's just a point where it's like and soren's got three of them and you're like 
okay, how? What what happened? Which ones? You know, where'd they go? Uh, still don't still don't know even how the dwarves got the rings, right? That was left ambiguous. I yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were given to the dwarf lords. But, I mean, that's like sort of a line that actually we get from. I guess it's as you see you hear it other places, but yeah. Mm-hmm. When did they get them? Who got them? Yeah. But we do. We, the only thing that we know is that the last ring was pried from the hands of Durin yes. of the Lonely Mountain Mountain fame not that far before the hobbit or yes. at least the way that we're it's presented so he had it they had it for a long time no, because in the book it says that sauron had only recovered three of the dwarven rings in the third age in the in the, sec- in the, in the second age in, yeah in the second age so yeah. there's still four kicking around somewhere and that was just kind of like i'd love to know a little more about that and the ring of bear here like that's a, a huge relic from this era right because it's, it's held by the kings in Numenor. Is it? It has to start with them. Does it? No, 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 no. Um, Baron had that ring. Yes, I know. Baron had that ring. Doesn't it so end it up on Elros's the... hand? Doesn't it end up with Elros? Yeah, but did it have to go to Elros's heir? Ah, so if we go to Tolkien Gateway, it says that the house inherited the ring of bear here, given by Tar Elendil to his daughter Silmarion. The original Ellen Dilmer from Silmarion. Well, she's she's mad early. I mean, she's like the third third monarch or something in the book. Yeah. Silmarion's a big deal. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where it would have to happen. That that's where. Because yeah. that's where there's the bifurcation, sort of of the of the family. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Way back. I was also annoyed that like the one other one of the other loose ends that I would have liked to have seen covered was the when in lord of the rings obviously when aragorn uses the ring of bear here and goes and gets the dudes because <laughs> yeah. he gets the undead guys i would have liked to know like please give me their backstory oh the undead yeah uh, who yeah who are, are they are they numenorians they gotta be a, they... i mean they have to be a second age thing right because their last alliance era mm-hmm. so it's like oh. they didn't come when a sildor yeah so them. when when did that happen yeah. like could could we cover that please <laughs> And where? Yeah. Where exactly is it? Well, it's it's somewhere on the Anduin, right? So you assume it's you assume it's further down the mouth of the Anduin. Yeah. I mean, I was like, <laughs> like spent all this time being like, yeah. come on, yeah, or up the Anduin. No, it doesn't seem like up the. I don't know. I don't know. Mandalorian. What do you think? Well, two things. One, I like I liked this episode, but it returned to form. makes it even more upsetting that there was a last week's episode. 100% agreement. It's, we've been doing lifelong friends. We've been doing this too long together. According to AI, we're lifelong right. friends. Uh, we've been doing this too long because I felt the exact same way of like, yeah, I kind of like this. This is sort of like the Ice Spiders episode yeah. to me. Felt a little bit yeah. like, oh, hey, we're just going to have like a really fun yeah. action-y day. Yep. All right. So on the eve of the regular MLB season, it seemed appropriate to take a step back and look sort of at the trends that we expect for the whole season. Is starting with a pure baseball sense, like thinking about the teams themselves, and then we'll kind of dig into like what this might mean for fantasy. Uh, this sounds a little dry, and like it might be tool development independent, or like, but it, it's it's not really. We actually have some real metrics for team quality, and that's what I'm interested in mapping onto how those yes. affect fantasy. Yeah, we we keep on talking and, and circling around team quality, and I think that it's good for us to dive a little bit deeper and stop. Just- throwing spaghetti at the wall yeah i mean in this this question of whether we posed this last week whether the players make the team or the team makes the players you know are are, are really interesting and and we have to 
that's that's really where I want to be able to make where I want to be able to make progress because you know that you can put together a winning fantasy team with spare parts from random teams, <laughs> but you'd have to hit mm-hmm. every single one of them perfectly. Right. And the more that we know, yeah. And the more that we know that we have like a little bit of a boost by certain teams. Yeah. I mean, the, the better that we're going to be able to make making decisions. Like we we should know earlier in the season, like not just stay away from nationals because they're yeah. not going to amount to anything. Um, which you know, like four or five teams. Like, okay, it seems real. Like Pittsburgh is gonna be team, gonna be a team all year in fantasy that you're gonna see players on the waiver wire. Gonna be like, do yeah. I want to invest in a Pittsburgh player? Is the team quality high enough that that it's gonna be worth it? Totally agree. And to some extent, we we've been focused on batters for this, but it also makes it a much better. It also gives you a much better handle on like who should I start for pitchers mm-hmm. like pitchers on random teams, but face who they're facing. The team quality has a, yeah. has a better, stronger predictive power there even. Ooh, good point. Good point. All right. So yeah. what is the tool? So what's, what's the tool that we're going to work on through here? And what are we going to call this? Great question. Didn't think about that. <laughs> Usually you have an acronym like at the right. I know I, I, I didn't this time actually. <laughs> uh, all right. So the, the thing that we're interested in here, and we talked a little bit about this last week, is the relationship between full season run differential and winning percentage. And if you just make these, plot these as points, I've, sh- I've shown you this here, first figure. Uh, I'm just going to make a linear relationship mm-hmm. for this. I think d- the first order, it's, it's good. <laughs> ha, that was a math pound. Um, the linear <laughs> linear relationship here, though, makes a lot of sense. I don't see a big reason to do something more complicated than this. But there is, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of scatter. There's a little bit of scatter. That's true, but it is a pretty clear trend. Like, I I like when there's there's sometimes where you're like, yeah, you just fit a line through this guy, and you're like, <laughs> what is that cloud? But this does feel a lot clearer of a of a trend. Yeah, there, there's a positive relationship. The more runs that you score against the uh, your opponent, the more likely you are to win. Um, yeah, so anyway, we have an expected run differential, so I'm going to check that at the end of the season. Part of what I did here was compare teams' 2022 run differentials to their new expected run differential. You see some really fun things, like, for instance... <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> the, the Dodgers' absolutely monumental <laughs> run differential. 334. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so I don't know. How do you want to, how do, you want to do these over-unders? You want to go should we go over under number best to worst or worst to best yeah, let's go uh so i'm gonna start running down the list here so we agree la houston both hit the over on that pretty good wait well you should probably say what the line is okay la 96.5 houston 95.5 we both hit the over atlanta 95.5 i'm going over you're going under which i think is interesting I think that that division is going to be really competitive outside of Washington, and I think that the win total is going to be a little bit lower. Divisions mean less this year, right? Schedule's been moved around. Sure, sure. You'll believe it when you Um, see it. Yeah. I will say that Vegas expects them to get worse this year than they were last year. Than they were last year. year, By a, a reasonably significant margin. I mean, although they did underperform their run differential or they they did overperform their run differential, meaning they they Last they year. should have gotten they should have had a lower winning percentage than they actually achieved. Oh right 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 yes. Okay, and then we agree on 
New York Yankees, 93.5 over New York Mets, 93.5 under. <laughs> San Diego Padres, <laughs> 93.5 under. Next disagreements, Toronto, 91.5. I've got the over. you got the under. I don't know why you're so pessimistic on them. I think they're only going to get better. I don't begrudge you for going over, but it just feels like it's, they just never quite get over the hump. And looking at their pitching, I don't. I, I think looking at their hitting, it feels really good. Looking at their pitching, I, I, I well, don't I, know that they're they're, they're not going to be a 95-win team. Man, I don't think. All right, I will. So, I, again, I don't begrudge you for going over because I really feel like it's going to be like 89-90 wins yeah. they're going to get. They're yeah. going to be really close to that. More agreement, uh, Rays over on 89.5, Cardinals over 88.5, Philadelphia under 88.5. And then big spate of disagreement here. This is, we yeah. disagree right in the middle for the most part. Yeah, a lot in we're the pretty middle. Good at, uh, yeah, we're on pretty the, good at the, the ends. We yeah. don't really have agreements. All right, so let me, let's, let's lump these disagreements together. Seattle, 86.5, Cleveland, 86.5, Milwaukee, 86.5. I went under on all three. You went over on all three. That's kind of interesting. I did. I I did. You don't don't believe J Rod is gonna. I don't believe I don't believe J Rod is gonna play the whole season, which is is depressing as a J Rod owner. Sophomore slump. I think I I think sophomore slump, and I think he'll either have an actual injury or he'll be injured, and you know they'll shut him down for a while. I really like the momentum that they had last year. I really like their pitching. Looking at the across the team, sure. like they're. Like our Penn Murphy love, who I just dropped for Rodolfo Castro. Like I, I mean, he could be a, he could have a spot in New York, right? In the Mets. Yeah. There, there's a lot of really good, really good quality players on that team, and I think if they can like continue what they did last year, the surge, I, I feel really good about them. Eighty-six point five is low enough that an eighty-eight win team they could miss the playoffs. Eighty-eight win team, and okay, and it'd still be over. I felt the same way about all three of these teams. Of it's like they have all their their lines are eighty six point five. That feels a little too low. They all feel like they could be upper eighties, low nineties. I, I think they're all going to be. I I would say these are all under, but very close. Like I think I look at these teams and just think, I think all the teams above. I think the teams above them for the most part are actually better, and so yeah. I just don't see these being. I see these being like. 86 win teams because we're talking about so seattle is the 11th best team in this ranking right in the expected over unders and i mm-hmm. i just mostly agree with the teams above it and so i struggle to see how there's a finite number of games that you can win <laughs> you know so to be one out there so but yeah i hear what you're saying all right more agreement minnesota 84.5 over chicago white Sox, 83.5 under so you think minnesota is in the same category as seattle cleveland and milwaukee i do See, I, I don't, <laughs> but but I have also put it put some gap yeah. in there. Like I think Minnesota could be an eighty six win team. They could miss the playoffs, eighty six win team, or they could make it make it in that that shitty division. Cleveland might be the one. I think Cleveland's the one that stinks of those three. Of those three, I mean, I think I think Cleveland's the one that has the most to lose. But but they just keep on overperforming. Maybe. All right. Did they over, so? Did they overperform last year? Expected run differential. That's last year's number or this That's, year? Uh, expected is this upcoming this year. year. The 2022 yeah. one is. So 72, they got 56.5. Let's see. That is a slight underperformance yeah. in the record. All right. Uh, all right. More disagreement. Uh, LA Angels, 82.5. I said over. You said under. San Francisco Giants, 81.5. I said under. You said over. I'm sorry. I think the – I just – the maybe this is just me being hopeful. The Angels can't be this bad every year. 
They have yes, they, they have can. The, they have two of the five <laughs> they, best players they, in baseball. <laughs> like, they've shown us that they can be this bad for this. I know. I, I just, I just, and I, and and conversely, I just don't see, I don't see any good parts on the Giants team. So that's like, how is this going to be a winning team? Because they play the well, okay, the divisions don't matter as much, but there's a lot of bad teams in the NL. Yeah, we're about to we're about to list a whole bunch of them in a row. Uh, <laughs> all right, agreement, huge spate of agreement here on the on the bottom. Texas, eighty one point five over. Boston, seventy eight point five over. That's felt easy. Baltimore, seventy six point five over. Cubs, seventy six point five over. I don't know why that line is so low. Uh, Diamondbacks, the Baltimore one or the, the Chicago, Chicago one. one. Oh, I get one. the Chicago one. The Baltimore one, I don't get. Like, they're a team on the up. I What What are we doing? I, I mean, I agree with all four of those overs, frankly, that we just listed. All right. Now a bunch of unders. Arizona, 75.5. <laughs> that team's bad. Milwaukee, 75.5. That team is also bad. Now, what's crazy to me is that no, you get Miami. a gigantic... You said oh, I'm sorry, Milwaukee, right? Miami, yeah. Miami. And then you get a gigantic yeah. leap here from 75.5 over under to 69.5 over under. <laughs> so you are talking about... <laughs> Bad, bad, bad teams here. Detroit, 69.5. We both yep. hit the under. Royals, 68.5. We both hit the under. That tells you, I mean, the Central Division is just hurting in the AL. Pittsburgh, 67.5 under. Reds, 65.5 over. Last piece of dis... That's too far. It's just like, too feels far. like it's Agreed. too far. Like, those, those last three teams that you just stated could all get to, like, only the... The Pirates, the Royals, and Detroit. They're all at basically 67 to 69. They could all get 65 wins uh-huh. and be the under, right? Yeah. Whereas it feels like Cincinnati, if they get a 65, they could just get to 66. Yeah. It doesn't, they're not that much worse than those teams. Yeah. And I think that they actually have some better pieces. I do too. Cincinnati is a team that in three to four years, if they actually do this right, could be a really interesting team. I agree. Whereas the other teams, Tigers, Royals, <laughs> Pirates, they they don't. Well, the Tigers and Royals don't. They they I, we watched Detroit and it was awful. And the Royals, Royals have been selling all their parts. And then yes, go ahead on the Pirates, Pirates. will sell any part that's not nailed down. It yes. doesn't matter. So like, yeah. I agree. I like the parts on the Pirates team. <laughs> They're not going to be on the team at the end of the year. Right. Uh, well, it's Pirates betting against the Pirates to like be competent. It'd be not com- be not competent in the making money sort of sense, but be competent on the field is like you know betting over this this century that the um, Kings are going to be bad. It's like this <laughs> year they decided to be good, but like most of the time you're running to the bank. With but the I think betting against yeah, I agree, and and honestly that's the exact opposite of how I felt on that Boston seventy eight point five line. It's like okay, that's that's a mean line for Boston. I mean, come on. It's mean. They should probably get to, to five. Yeah, exactly. Especially after a bad year, they should exactly. probably get to five. Exactly. That line felt like okay. That's inappropriate. All right. Last disagreement. Colorado Rockies, sixty-five point five. I'm going with under. You're going with over. I I could be persuaded here, but I could be persuaded as well. <sighs> I mean, I could see where the wheels just fall yeah. off because that team has nothing and all the Brendan Rodgers injury already, yeah. and uh, Charlie Blackman isn't like. Isn't Superman? Yeah. So, but it doesn't take a lot to get to sixty-six. That's wins. why. That's why it's a good line, right? Because it was. I looked at it, it like, is. oh man, what do we do with that? Um, okay, and then two that I thought were pretty easy to agree with: Oakland fifty-nine point five over. That line is just too low. 
It's too. And then, but yeah, that Oakland team, Oakland just all of all of a sudden just. If you think about like the the variety of outcomes you could have in a season, it looks the same every year at the beginning. Like they look yeah. terrible, and then sometimes it's oh wow, this is their playoff yeah. team. Who knew? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I I think I mean because the the converse of this is predicting that they're a hundred loss team, and that's like I I don't know about that. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about that. It seems like. But then the Nationals. <laughs> This this is a hundred loss team. Their over under is fifty eight point five, and we both took the under. I feel great about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a bad team. It's a bad team. Yeah, I uh, yeah. No help. No help in sight. They're they're. Ex- and you're sure you don't want to go to DC uh, to try to see? This I know team? their expected run differential is minus two hundred and fifteen. That tells you that they're they're gonna, on average, lose every game by a run, which. <laughs> like, <laughs> and last year was negative two fifty two. I know, I know. That is wow. like an amazing, just an amazing number, like unbelievable. So we we actually had a lot. We had a lot of agreement here. What is this? So we disagreed on eight. So we agreed on twenty two out of thirty. It's pretty good. I think that about brings us to the review session. Jose Abreu. I thought I was going to be more disappointed with this review than I actually am. So, but all right. New team this year, by the way, of course, do not forget that he is on the Astros. But in his last season, as with every other season on the White Sox, he uh, had, last year he had 157 games, 679 plate appearances, whoa, uh, 85 runs, 75 RBIs, 15 home runs, zero stolen bases, and a 304 (laughs) average. First thing that jumps out to me, those are not good run or RBI totals for a guy who played 157 games and got 679 plate appearances. That RBI total is astounding. Considering It's astounding. Considering that 2019 he had 123, 2021 he had 117. And, you know, if you scale up and he, his 2020, it would yeah, be his enormous. his first couple of years, yeah, his first couple of years when he was actually 35 or 36, and I was just pretending that he's 37 or whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was hitting 100 RBIs on the reg. Yeah, I mean, the, so, the only year the I, only year he missed 100, apart from last year, was an injury short in 2018. Which, if we were to extrapolate that up, he, he'd be at 100. Right. Yeah. It's, the fact that he played a full load last year and got that few RBIs is pretty scary. The weird, it tells you more about the White Sox than him. I think it does, because the, the thing about looking at his average... He right? hit 304. Yeah, exactly, he hit 304. That's that's exactly right. And if you look at his percentile rankings, okay, his sprint speed is garbage. But, like, he... Great, it doesn't matter. Great exit RBIs. velocity, great hard hit, good barrel, you know, low whiff, high high exit velocities. I mean, I, I think you're right. Average exit velocity is 93. Wow. Old man strength. I think the main thing we should take away is, like... Yeah, the White Sox were bad. <laughs> they re- were really bad, and they really fell apart. And it's—is he going to be bad in cleanup on this team? I assume he is. I think I had our—I pre- had our predictions open. Let me let me tell you what we we said he was going to. Which be. we're gonna we're gonna come back to this, but uh, yeah, we have him four. So we our optimal lineup for them was Altuve, Pena, Bregman, Abreu. <laughs> yeah. So now it's okay, going to so be. So how are we going to adjust that? Well, this Brantley is um, not injured right now, so he'll Brantley jump be into the Altuve's spot um, for now. Yeah, I'd say Jose's going to be number four. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, maybe three. I mean, three or four. Those are the only options for him. You don't want him. No, no, no. no. With someone that's that slow, you don't want him getting in the way. Of, four, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. 
Maybe Ty- Kyle Tucker will get in the top four. Kyle Tucker in the top four <laughs> would be a coup for Kyle Tucker owners. Wow. It'd be like nitrous. <laughs> that would be wow. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna dare to dream about that for a little bit. Um, Abreu, I mean Abreu hits to all fields. I really, I'm not like obsessed with spray charts, but it's we've seen a we have I have not seen very many more symmetric spray charts than that. No, it's it, he's got a really good spray chart. He's a good hitter. Like, yeah. You you watch these random videos, you're like, yeah, this guy knows how to hit. I th- I I think he's gonna be better on the Astros, and that's why I said that I I actually at the outset of this that I was wasn't as disappointed with this review as i thought like i thought at the end of last week we talked about this and i was like boy we're falling off a cliff with the guys that we're going to review yeah well the ups what is the upside for jose abreu well the upside is his 20 20 20 uh, sorry his 2019 season still right you think that's still his upside i 30 i do because look it's a big regression in average he scores the same amount of runs it would just be a gigantic boost in rbis and that's it well, so this is basically the same as he did in twenty um, twenty one. Uh, ye- a little worse average, but yeah, yeah. But let's. I think twenty twenty one is yeah. That's like the down. But I think I saw it. He'll probably get his twenty twenty one. But numbers, I think. Yeah. But I think I did see a sneak peek about his some of his underlying stats. Do you have his? Do you have his underlying stats in front of you? Yeah, yeah. Do you want? <laughs> you know, we we never talk about this, but you want to know his base running. <laughs> His base running, his score is negative, which is <laughs> usually that doesn't stick out to me, but that stuck out with, with him. I mean, his, his arm strength is also his defensive. His first is his defensive war is also his arm strength negative. is first percentile. I mean, <laughs> do you have a toddler at home? They probably <laughs> throw stronger than Jose Abreu. Okay, um, yeah. Do you? Where do you think his BABIP was last year for someone who's very slow? Well, I mean. Just looking looking at his average bouncing around, I'm guessing that it's gotta be it's gotta be oscillatory. And I'm gonna guess that he was low in twenty twenty one and high in twenty twenty two, let's say three twenty? Three fifty in twenty twenty two. Okay, well you can't he can't do that. It was two ninety three in twenty twenty one. Okay. It was three fifty in twenty twenty. It was three twenty in twenty nineteen. Career average of three twenty. So it's totally correlated so. with his average. I mean, which which makes sense, but like really, really correlated with his average. Pretty well correlated. I uh, I don't like that. <laughs> if his BABIP is over three fifty, he's over. Well, well, twenty seventeen is the one that breaks that. But if he's at three fifty, then he's over three hundred. He's batting over. I don't think he's gonna be. His batting average in balls in play is not gonna be three fifty. No, 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 no. That's that. Oh darn! I thought you were gonna put it in the bat box. No, no, no. Absolutely. Not. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let me just let me just. Has he ever hit above three fifty? Is that his best BABIP ever? His rookie season, he was three fifty six. Oh okay, but okay. In twenty twenty, in this season, he was three fifty. Um, what else? Do you, his on base percentage was a little bit high. His slugging was a little bit low. I guess his slugging was low. That's sort of interesting. That tells you he wasn't going for the fences. His slugging was four forty six. His career average is. 506 and in 2021 it was 481 i don't really understand what's up with that to be honest i don't either he's weighted on base percent so he was trying to get on base and have a high average he wasn't really trying to hit for power last he might be trying to hit for power this year huh okay he only had 15 home runs you owned him last year right for i traded (laughs) him i traded him but yeah i mean 
Oh, okay. Did you expect that he was only get fifteen home <laughs> runs I, last yeah, year? Oh yeah. When I when I held him, I was like, "This is going to be great. He's going to get fifteen home runs." <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think this year that home run number is going to go up. That slugging number is going to go up. That average number is going to go down. And the question is, how far down does it go? Are you taking that over or the under on two seventy nine for average? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to I'm going to take the over on that on. Okay, because zips, uh, zips both have him at projections have him at two seventy nine, and everybody else has him lower than that. So I'm fine with taking the under on. Okay. Two seventy nine for batting average. I just want to say that Stackhouse does produce this thing called expected home runs by Park, and if he had played in Houston last year, he would have hit twenty two home runs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't. I think yeah, somewhere in the twenties, at low twenties in yeah. Houston, I think seems reasonable. Do you think he's twenty-two? Do you think he's over under that? I think he's over twenty-two. Thirty? On I think he's under thirty. Thirty. I think he's. Yeah. I think he's good. You know, I think he's good, but I don't think he. I don't think he's thirty home runs good anymore. Twenty-five. I. I <laughs> you just, what are you just gonna bisect me here? I think over <laughs> twenty-five. Runs plus RBIs, one eighty. Mm, that's a good number. Um, oh, that's a really good number. I, I, I think over. I think. Mm-hmm. But boy, that's close. Eighty RBIs, one hundred. Uh, Eighty runs, hundred RBIs. Eighty runs, yeah. hundred RBIs. Anything more than that? You hit the. Yeah. You want to take the I would over take on the that? Over on that. Uh, fine, I'll take the under. I don't like that. I should have. I should have said higher. <laughs> well, last year he only got to what one hundred and sixty in that, right? I know, I know, but the year before that, he cleared that 200 flying colors. Yeah, the year before that, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, there you go. 2020. Yeah, we're gonna put we're gonna put a number of game games on this. <laughs> Who did we do last week? That was Matt Olson. Yeah, I'd rather have a Brayu. Would than you Matt rather Olson. have whoever you, else you got with in Matt Olson's place, and then two rounds later, grab what? I don't think it was a full two rounds, but I'd rather I'd rather have a Brayu for sure. Oh come on! I mean, All right, Matt Olson was thirty-seven. Jose Abreu was eighty. Well, then is eighty right? And I, I can't I can't even articulate how quickly I would take Abreu over Olson at that point. Then yeah, but you have to. But the difference is, if you skip Olson, you have to get. It is true. Abreu. It is true. So you probably would have taken him. Maybe you would have taken him a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, I mean, I remember each draft. I remember watching as Jose Abreu went by and like, mm, <laughs> I'll get him next round, and then he would go. There, I mean, it it felt like I totally agree. It felt like in both drafts there was a right time to take Jose Abreu. No, he just didn't have a pick right there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I think, I, and even the times that I've gotten Jose Abreu, <laughs> I think it's been like, huh, Jose Abreu is clearly the right pick right now. <laughs> he's just right yeah. there. He's just like, oh yeah, I know who I'm going to take here. No, it, clear. Yeah, the uh, dispersion on his value yeah. was yeah low. All right, who are we doing next week? Talk about Nate Low. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.